Blog Talk Radio.
Father God, we just pray in the name of Jesus. We seek you with all of our heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that each one of us, with all of our heart, will fall in love with you. Kononia. Total love. Deep love. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Father. And fill us with your love. Not just love. Not, not only love for you, but also love for our neighbors. Love for our fellow brothers and sisters. For we are in such a time today that it is a mirror alignment, almost word for word, with the warnings that are in the what's referred to as the Olivet Discourse, Father. When Jesus would go to rest at the end of the day after speaking on Mount Olivet. And we see these things happening around us. We we not only see them, but we feel them. The There's awful and horrible things, as you know, Father, going on around the world. And awful and horrible things that have, that have been going on consistently and ever increasingly since really, I guess, since 2015, if we go back to when the pestilence known as COVID-19 was being created probably many years even before then. But certainly since 2019, Father, we've been watching as we've been asked in the scripture to watch and pray. To watch and pray, to do good things for the widows, to visit the orphans, to do to follow and try to walk in as close to perfect obedience as we know how. We're in such a time, Father, that we pray that not only will you fill us with love for you, adoration and amazement and awe for you, adoration and amazement and awe for you, Jesus. May we sing to you. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, have have you ever known, have you known that you're our hero? You're everything we would like to be. If we could fly higher than an eagle, you'd be the wind beneath our wings. You are the wind beneath our wings. We pray that you will fill us with adoration and love. Immerse us with koanonia love. Love where we truly are and you truly are our first love. That you truly are our bridegroom. That our desire to serve you and to be a part of you and to know that we are always in your presence and what a privilege that is. To understand that even though we live in some of the most challenging and difficult times most likely the world has ever seen, perhaps. Perhaps not as bad as certain parts of the world at certain certain during certain seasons, but on a global level, certainly. Father, more than ever before, we need to draw in closer to you and be able 
We're asking you. In fact, we're even beseeching you, Father. We're supplicating before your holy throne. And we pray, please, that you will teach us. For we, and we will use the life and death and the power of the tongue that you have given us. We will use the power of confession because it is no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. Understanding that power that comes through Christ, the Spirit of the living God, the power that comes from being united with the Godhead, being born of water and of Spirit. And we tell you, Father, we love you with all of our heart. And we do. And we we may not really live up and feel pretty crummy sometimes because we don't live up to what we think ought to be the perfect standards. But then we even see people that we've looked up to and they're starting to slip as well. There's a lot of friction out there, Father, even amongst brothers and sisters who should be, particularly during this time, showing more love, humility, But but what we're seeing is an increase of friction in many cases that is unexplainable and can only be perhaps some sort of the rising of a dark spirit that is associated with the warnings that Jesus gave us. And we praise you, Jesus. We thank you for those warnings. To me, not only is every word of the Bible unbelievably important and critical, I adore it, but to me, the words in the Olivet Discourse carry so much weight. Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. So much weight and so much depth today that I can't even read them enough, and I learn something more each time, and I always feel, as I ought, unworthy. We love you, Jesus, and we love you with all of our heart. We want to be not to escape this place, but we want to be so confident and so immersed in our love for you that really at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where we end up as long as we're in your hands, in the hands of our loving Father. That we totally trust no matter what it is, even when we read about the persecution of the Christians or read about, uh, you know, read the words of, of, of a prophecy gone by. Or the scriptures that, um, you know, the verses that spoke of Christians during Paul's time being sawn asunder. Understanding what happened to our fellow brothers and sisters in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Understanding also that we were admonished and warned by our Lord Jesus, by you, our Father, our Lord Jesus, I and the Father are one. That we are not greater than our Master. But then we're also refreshed, our hearts and our minds are refreshed of the testimonies. Well, biblically speaking, would be Stephen as he was being stoned obviously felt no pain and saw the heavens split open and the glory of God through all the dimensions directly into the throne room. 
He had a I am undone experience. Even as the rocks were hitting him. And if we could only have that kind of faith, not looking at the words of warning, not remembering that, just recognizing, recognizing the big picture, which is, even though we might, even though we did, we have uh, historical records of our brothers and sisters and biblical records of our fellow brothers and sisters of the past, and an admonishment from you, Lord Jesus, regarding us not being greater than our Master, to also remember that we have Bible passages of those who served you and many, 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 many testimonies. Testimonies from people from uh, Voice of the Martyrs and their program. How like when Napoleon police were beating on this woman, she didn't feel any pain at all and just kept telling them over and over again that you loved them, that you loved them. Help us to recognize and to be able to walk in such faith, such knowing, such love, and so merge together spiritually with the Godhead, Father, Son, and our Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. For we know that we dwell amidst that Spirit because our word, which is Jesus, tells us that. For we are crucified in Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ, you, Lord Jesus, who lives within us. But at the same time, you also told us that when you ascended, that you would send us the Helper, our, our Holy Spirit, the all-forgotten God, never by me, though. I never want to make the mistake of assuming that every little thing that I hear or think comes from the Holy Spirit because I know that I'm fallible, I fail, I make lots of mistakes. We all do. But we praise you, Father, for loving us enough to help us to see those mistakes. It might take a while. You know, we all think that we're going to have instant gratification in this walk. We all believe that there, we have a problem that that we need to work on, some behavior that needs to be either reduced or eliminated. And we pray about it and we pray about it sometimes for months. And we're sincere. We need that help. And then eventually, because of our perseverance in prayer, which is a sign of faith, Sort of like Abraham, as you waited until the last, what, millisecond to stop his arm from performing an act of obedience that is really kind of unthinkable, but at the same time, the ultimate test. And how is it that we should be once removed from Abraham? We praise you, Father, for helping us to understand these things because they fortify our walk. We pray that the humility, if we feel in our hearts that there's division between us and a brother or a sister, if there's any sign of it whatsoever, that we'll just say to them, we'll step back, 
will allow them to st- take their position. It's okay. If they want to believe something or embrace something, let them embrace it. As Paul said, when he was confronted so many times, he um, the word that he used as he was describing the their apostolic lifestyle, the apostles' lifestyle, compared to those who were in the churches that they visited, that he would entreat. And the word entreat essentially means to just say, okay, God bless you, and he humbly step back. Not creating any division, apologizing if there was any offense taken, and step back. Because that's exactly what you would do with somebody that you love. They may take offense to it. We all need to work on our humility. And we cannot possibly achieve the humility of you, Jesus. That foot washer humility without your help. Which is why it is so vital that we continuously ask you to love upon us as we love upon you. As we tell you over and over again, we love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you, Father, for the example, the wonderful example that you set for us through our brother and sister, Charles and Francis Hunter, who I've been very, very blessed to meet in person, albeit as a young boy. I thank you, Father, for the work that they did in their book, How to Heal the Sick, which I've read about four times and has so many sticky notes that I little pointer notes pointing to scriptures and so much that I've learned and how they testified in the beginning of the book in the introduction that not only had they prayed for over 10,000 people and not seen one healing before their divine healing ministry took off but they admitted that they were not in love with you Father They admitted that they knew that they were not in love with you, not at the level that they knew that they needed to be. And they just woke up every single day, multiple times throughout the day, and they said, I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you. And I pray that as each of us choose a song whatever it may be that is dear to our heart that we would like to sing to you, maybe multiple songs, that you will receive it as a kind act and a desire to merge completely, and immer- uh, not to merge, but to immerse ourselves completely in your presence. To fall in the Greek word koinonia with you. To be obsessed with all things of your incredible awesomeness, to be so enthralled with the gorgeous, unbelievable future that you have offered us that we can't even imagine at the very thought of being separated from you. It's, it becomes our the hope of hopes, the only thing that keeps us going day by day, The thing that we look forward to so much 
is that time in the secret place of the Most High. I praise you for bringing me through my trials and tribulations and difficult times, and I know there'll be more. I do. I see signs, and I'm very sensitive to tones of voice and things. Father, I see the... the I see it coming. And it's almost invariably from believers. And I would... I just don't want to ever, ever get to a place where it turns into a Paul and Barnabas moment. I'd rather just say, God bless you. I'll see you on the other side. I love you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And let them believe or feel whatever they want to feel. Hopefully it's a good thing. Because we don't want to ever be involved in creating division, dissensions, contentions. Galatians 5.19, Proverbs 6.16. Amongst our fellow brothers and sisters, let us always entreat. Let us always be humble. Let that humility be from deep inside of our heart. And let us always pray for that brother and sister. If If we sense that they take offense, that you will wash them and pour out a Holy Spirit golden ball of forgiveness upon their heart. That if we ever pray for a family or a family with family members where we know that there is division, that we will remember to pray from the very depths of our heart in concert and harmony with your presence as our first love. That they, too, will have that golden ball of forgiveness poured out that water anointed with the exodus oil, that forgiveness that could only come from the heart of our Abba Father, our dear Father. Thank you, Father. It's so hard for those of us here on the earth to get to grasp, the, to especially in this day and age, it's so difficult to grasp the concept that sometimes we need a paddle spare the rod and spoil the child still applies even today and Father we are your children to understand that thy rod and thy staff comfort thee and understand what that rod and staff was used for by the shepherd the staff was used to wrap around the neck of the sheep and to pull it back onto the narrow path And the rod was used to whack it in the butt. (laughs) Praise God. And Father, we thank you for using the rod and the staff on each of us. Please, in the name of Jesus, we know that that love, that agape, koanonia relationship is more important to you than anything else. You will forgive us of our sins. We will, even as Daniel did, and I believe Daniel 9.24, I think, confessed of his sins, the sins of Israel. Imagine Daniel, who was held up by the angel father. How amazing of a story is that? How humbling is it for us to realize that the angel was sent by you, Father, to respond to his, his ask regarding the length of the Babylonian captivity. 
And the 21-day struggle in the heavens, which aligns to the white paper teaching from John Melindy, how Satan stops our prayers, combat in the heavenly or spiritual realm. It's a perfect alignment with, with Daniel's story. And then to have the angel come before Daniel and say, Daniel, beloved of God. And there's Daniel, I believe again in 924, confessing of his sins. What a lesson for each of us to learn. Some would try to separate the preciousness of that lesson from our walk after being born of the water and the Spirit. Some would imagine that somehow they don't sin. Some might imagine that they're once saved, always saved, and their behaviors are not especially important because they're protected in both of your hands without considering that by our own choices, we can jump out of your hands. We thank you, Father, for helping us to understand the mysteries that are not spoken of in the church. We praise you, Father, for the very gentle, precious times that you allow us to stand on your holy ground by putting somebody in front of us. They may not be comfortable talking to you on a messenger. They may not be comfortable talking to you in this way or that way. But when you place that individual in our path, when someone asks for prayer, you have placed us on holy ground, Father, which is a privilege that we must never overlook. Let us never say, prayers to you, I'll pray for you, or receive a request for prayer and not stop, drop, and pray. And I pray, Father God, if we are having a bad day, if we're having a bad day and perhaps we're no longer walking under open heavens, as was taught to us regarding the testimony of the Satanist who stopped Christians' prayers, given to John Melindy again. What a powerful testimony that we should all almost practically memorize, study multiple times. To understand the, how, uh, I can't think of a right word, crucial, vital, important, unbelievably important. How about that? I don't know what the right word is, but how crucially un believably important it is, Father, that we all understand that, particularly if we don't have the gift of speaking in tongues. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that anyone who has ever had difficulty listening to somebody else speak in tongues, I praise you, Father God, for the people. They may not be perfect Christians. None of us are perfect Christians. Just because they have large audiences and can fill stadiums doesn't necessarily mean they're perfect. But, Father, I praise you for those who have stepped out in front of thousands of people and spoken tongues so that they could mimic the speaking of tongues, that they could seek you because that relationship is between you and them. Help us, Father, to never, ever have a spirit of critical, 
um, being critical of other fellow brothers and sisters, have that that spirit that comes upon us to be judgmental because somebody said in a YouTube video that that person was this or that. Judge not that ye be judged, Father. Let us never do that. Let us not look for reasons to sin against you. Forgive us for hunting for scriptures to allow us to do things that our heart, in if it were pure, would never allow for. Forgive those, Father God, of our brothers and sisters, we pray, on social media, that attack one another, admonish one another, publicly disagree with one another, call each other names, destroy each other's ministries, leave nasty comments because they disagree with a Bible translation, or who someone thinks the Antichrist might be. Father, we pray for your forgiveness, your divine, holy, loving, kind, unbelievable forgiveness and mercy, for your mercy does endure forever. To those of us who are just so utterly, utterly unworthy, let us walk ever stronger in our desire to be more like you and to be totally full of humility, a true foot washer, desirous of only to walk as you did. But being but also remembering Romans twelve and holding Romans twelve so close to our heart because it it, it expands on the storylines that we see about you, Jesus, in the Gospels. Because there was a lot of text dedicated to your admonishment of the vipers and the snakes and the tares that you encountered amongst the Pharisees. And some of the parables do describe you as a harsh taskmaster, such as the parable of the talents and rewards. And we don't want that to ever affect our ability to fall in love with you. Place upon our hearts a desire, a spirit of confession, a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of knowing that we, through a contrite, contrite spirit, not just a contrite spirit, but a contrite heart, truly contrite, truly contrite, we aren't worthy. I thank you, Father, and I praise you, Lord Jesus, for allowing me probably even, I don't know, I'm, I know that there are things that I've done and that there are things and experiences that I've gone through, and I'm sure each one of us have gone through at some point in our lives that could be recent or a distant memory that make us feel unworthy and certainly open doors for attack from the evil one. But... If it wasn't for my having dorked up as bad as I did, I I thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Oh, man. I forget what scripture it is. I don't know it. I don't know it off the top of my head, but there is a scripture where you asked one of your apostles, 
where you asked one of your apostles, I believe it was one of your apostles, it could have been somebody else, I just don't remember, I need to find that scripture again. But you said something like, who, who is going to love me more? Who is, or maybe who is going to love the Son of Man or their Master more? The one who has done little wrong and been forgiven or the one who has done a lot wrong and has been forgiven? And the answer was clearly the one who did the most things wrong and was forgiven will love. Will love their... <laughs> will love you more. Will love you more. Those are the ones who will love you more. Boy, does that put me at the top of the list. And I just pray for every single person, every single person that is praying along, that you will anoint us and bathe us in that understanding. We know we're going to be attacked. We know that there are going to be fiery darts. And I just pray, Father, that each listener of this program I know that I give testimony sometime, and I know there are very kind saints out there that that encourage me when I do, and I praise God for that. I thank you, Father, and I pray for each of them. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, to bless, anoint, and divinely protect, and make us each beneficiaries of Psalm 91 and thy rod and thy staff. Help us to understand that if it wasn't for our true godly sorrow, which is hurting the one you love, that's what it is. Godly sorrow is hurting the one you love. And when we hurt the one we love, we hurt the most. But the amazing, amazing part of our relationship with you is that when we make boneheaded mistakes in our walk, whether it was 10 years ago, 40 years ago, five minutes ago, you were always there. John, 1 John 1, 9. You were always there to forgive us to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I love Isaiah 43, Father, so much. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our Heavenly Father, all throughout the Old Testament, was also our Lord Jesus. But when you had to come to this earth, Lord, for all the right reasons, ever so righteous and just, you raised the bar because you knew how you were going to have to suffer. And you changed up the rules. You made it very clear that we were entering in to the blessing of the love covenant. We pray to you, please, overfill us with that love. 
draws into the presence of that love. Allow us to feel it and abide in that love. And allow that love to be not just for you, but to be us and you. To bring us to a spirit of humility that causes us to entreat and indeed retreat from any friction to maintain that love. To agree to disagree and to do it in a kind manner. Even though Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement, I'm sure both of them are in heaven, and I'm sure they are very best friends. And I love to pray for people who hurt me and ask God to please pour out a spirit of forgiveness for them that they too would feel the same love that I feel for them, even though we may have had a sharp disagreement. Maybe we didn't snark off at one another, but feelings were hurt. It happens. We're human. We think things. And sometimes we forget we're human. Sometimes we forget the biggest part of who we want to be in you, sadly, is still us. And it will always be a raging battle until we become like you. When we become the manifestation of the true sons of God, when we transform, whether it be partially, as will happen for the wheat harvest, as they are sent into the FEMA camps with you, Lord Jesus, impervious to be shot at, at with bullets, bullets will not touch them, go straight through them. Guards will try to grab them and pull them away, and they won't be able to budge them. We'll walk, I'm not saying it'll be us, Father. I pray in Jesus' name that it isn't. I pray in Jesus' name that each one of us are found worthy to escape all these things and leave this place before the FEMA camps and leave this place before we have to go into the FEMA camps and be part of the barley harvest, that we are all, because of our love for you, doing the works that you have asked of us, but more than anything, totally falling in love with you and telling you every day, all day long, we love you. We love you. We love you. Because we, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. It's a confession. And that confession, through the Spirit of the living God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, becomes power. And that spirit of power and of love that you have given us binds us with your love, with your spirit, and magnifies the relationship and increases the depth of our awe, the depth of our godly sorrow, and strengthens our commitment to that which we desire to do now because we can't imagine not making you happy. Because why wouldn't we? Knowing that no matter what it is that we may or may, have, may, or may not have to go through, it's so utterly meaningless. And even if there is, even if it looks to everybody around us like 
I mean, can you imagine a father? I mean, it's just amazing to imagine what people must have thought of, of the Apostle Paul. He must have been the dirtiest and the stinkiest of them all. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about it, he spent so much time getting attacked on the roads, and we probably have very, very little understanding of all of the things that he endured as he walked incredibly long distances on dirty roads with very little water, very few places to take a bath in, in, a, in, a, in, in you know, in a pond or a um, a creek or something. And then his clothes, what condition could they be in? It wasn't like he had a a power washer and dryer to clean them and, you know, liquid all. <laughs> I mean, he must have been just a mess. Just a mess. It's just amazing how we can live in these privileged, comfortable lives in our clean clothes and our hot showers and forget. It's just amazing, really, when we think about it, how easy it is for us to slip into the flesh and suddenly become fearful of that which we have no reason to be fearful of. Knowing that no matter what's inside the Fox's Book of Martyrs, if we are truly in love with you, and we're going to our death. It's an awesome moment. It's an awesome moment. It's the moment that we've all been waiting for. And it's also very likely that if that moment comes upon any of us, that probably by then we've done a good job as a good and faithful servant. Oh, surely, surely, verily, verily, praise you, Jesus. Not a one of us will have a perfect record. And let not one of us think, not even for a tiny, tiny fraction of a second, that we are worthy. Or that somehow we've served you well. Let us always have that humble and contrite spirit. Let us always... Be so humble, such a foot washer, and so desirous of only showing love that it's that we just don't take offense. We let it roll off our shoulders. We expect it, not only because we're human and sometimes we have bad days, but also because the darkness that is rising around us is affecting the whole world. And we praise you, Father God, for those that you are bringing to you through the darkness. For at midnight we will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I think it's Psalm 116.15, but I don't know. I might have that one wrong. I've got to refresh my memory. And Isaiah 26, I think it's verse 9. When your judgments are in the world, the inhabitants of the earth will learn righteousness to understand that the good and the bad are holy. For it is the end result that is only the thing that matters. For our lives here on this earth 
as tedious and long as they appear or feel as we live them, are truly but a wisp of wind, quickly forgotten in the grand scheme of all eternity. Always remembering that for your, because of your love for us, we will not feel those rocks. Being willing to let it all go, because we can't take any of it with us anyways, and we, our hearts aren't here anyway. We don't want to be here. We praise your name and we thank you for all the opportunities that you have given us through moments of wisdom, moments of revelation, moments of testimony, moments of experiences, difficulties, things that have happened to us, things that we didn't do well or had to be tested multiple times. Pour out your love, pour out your humility, and help us to feel entitled to fall in love with our bridegroom. Because really, that's all we ever really, really ought to want. And what a wonderful, wonderful eternity and journey this will be. We praise your holy name and we thank you. We truly, truly thank you for just being you. It's very difficult to even imagine. Reminds me of the song I can only imagine. And I really believe that as well-meaning as those lyrics are, it doesn't even begin to touch upon how awesome our imminent future is in our incredible eternity. What does that eternal journey include? How infinitesimally small is a thousand years of ruling and reigning on earth which is going to be destroyed and replaced as the cycle continues, Ecclesiastes 1.9. How infinitesimally small is that thousand years when compared to eternity? A concept that we are not even able to receive, let alone truly imagine. That thousand year rolling and reigning period as tedious and long as it might sound to some of us, knowing that there'll be a second Gog and Magog invasion and Satan will be released for a second time. Hoping beyond hope that when it says that the new Jerusalem is adorned as a bride, that we will be in our transformed body as part of the ruling class, only in accordance with your, your holy mercy upon us, Father. Lord Jesus, please. But then remembering that that, that that thousand years, that thousand year rule and reign, there's a big purpose that wasn't described in hardly any detail in the scripture. Hardly any at all. 
and some who have been taken to that period and shown visions, dreams of what it would be like really didn't sound all that great as I recall. So I pray, Jesus, please, if it is possible, I don't know. We just want to do whatever you want us to do. Whatever you want us to do. And help us to remember always, to keep things in perspective, and to remember that it's like a thousand years compared to eternity is like walking into one to the and standing in front of an ocean where the water goes on for what appears to be eternity, bending over and picking up one tiny grain of sand and holding it in the palm of our hand and lifting our hand in front of us to compare it to the ocean. We praise you for all of these mercies, these wonderful, glorious gifts. We are not worthy, and we will be undone. And I truly hope and pray that each and every one of us, in accordance with your loving kindness and tender mercies, And you promise to blot out all of our transgressions and sin and not remember them. That you, O oh Lord our Father, our King Jesus, will find us worthy to escape all these things that are about to be unleashed upon this earth. And we do hope all means all. We do hope that is referring to the barley harvest. We hope that we are mercifully taken away from this darkness. We see how bad things are going to be pretty soon. And even if there is a period of respite, which doesn't look very promising right now, and Father, we will never pray against your judgments because your judgments in the darkness, no matter how many wonderful things that we hear, I heard, Father, you know that I heard Jim Jordan on the Glenn Beck show today just coming right out and saying, praise the Lord, thank, you know, just praise the Lord for this and praise the Lord for that. I'm amazing to have, to actually physically hear that with your own ears. The tears welling up in my eyes being so happy to hear it. But then at the same time, realizing that the likelihood that the things that Jim Jordan and the people in the uh, House of Representatives are doing in Babylon the Great still have to pass the Senate. And any of the bills have to be past the president, which isn't even a human. We know, Father. We know why they wear the masks. We know that they are reptilian nakash. 
We know what they are, fallen seraphim. We thank you for that. We know that they wear rubber masks because they can't kill enough of your sweet little babies. And do the horrible abominations that they do. But yet you are still so merciful to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles and to try to awaken as many as you can that you supernaturally and mercifully tolerate it. That is love that we will never comprehend, not fully. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you for this program. We praise you for the electronics. I praise you for my job. I praise you for every single person who even mentions me for a moment in prayer. I pray for a tenfold blessing and anointing, divine protection over their job. Father, I pray that you will just draw them in. I pray that you will draw us all in. And we will be found worthy to stand before you, Jesus. Since almost all, virtually just about all, except for the bride of Jesus Christ, all Christians go into the, it's really the outer darkness, but it's a translational issue. It's the outer environments, the suburbs of heaven where the country mansions, the Thomas Kincaid country mansions are located and such. And virtually 100% of the Christians go there. They don't stand before Jesus when they go to heaven, no matter how much they yell out for him. It's just not how it works. So when we pray always to be found worthy to escape these things and that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Lord Jesus, we know that it means we'd be at the wedding supper. But that's exactly what that prayer is. And we are to pray always. And Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. We adore you. We thank you. You're awesome. Let us all occasionally just take pause. Remember all of the things that we didn't do right, all of the mistakes, all of the sins, as we try harder and harder to grow and become more humble, loving, and fall in love with you even more. Because as those revelations are brought to our recollection, how awesome are you for being the lover of our soul? How awesome are you for really loving us from the bottom of your heart? Even though we so utterly just don't deserve it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for everything that you you went through for us. I don't really want to imagine it. I really just don't want to. Because then I'll just see her and cry. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus.
praise your name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, thank you, Jesus. Tonight is Friday, May the 19th. Oh, goodness gracious sakes. My browser is fighting me here, as, as always. Hallelujah. Tonight is Friday, May the 13th. 19th, my bad. The 28th of Liar. 5783. And the time now is 7.57 on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight, together, not because we have to, not because we're required to, we thank thank you for Romans 14. We thank you for setting us free to worship you as we see fit that every day is the Sabbath, that there's no law that we're being held accountable for except the law of love. Love, humility, and praise and relationship and intimacy. Tonight together, We light the Sabbath candles, or at least I am. Maybe others are too. Some people might like to light two. I like to light three. One for the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavavu in Hilanu Zikaron Lemase Vereshit Ki Huyom Tehila Lemikra Ekodesh Zechelitziat Mitraim Ivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, inchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood in your holy fire. Father, we pray that you will purge us 
body, soul, spirit, flesh, and heart. Use that holy fire, we pray, to completely immerse us in a cleansing so that we are walking in accordance with Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. We pray, Father God, that you will reveal and continue to reveal any behaviors, thoughts, things that we need to correct, frustrations, anything that's in our heart that may be hidden from us, presumptuous sin, presuming that our way is better than another way. Whatever it is, Father, let us just go ahead and love each other and let our, you know, and present in humility when necessary and guided by your presence. Whatever we feel in our heart that we're led to present or share with another, and if they, if we feel friction or sense friction, let us step away, let us back off and preserve, at least preserve that relationship so that it doesn't turn into something more, more friction or some kind of division or tension. For we know, Father, and we praise you that that we are admonished in your word. And if anyone has a complaint against a fellow brother or sister, we must forgive them. And true forgiveness means to forgive and to forget. A lot of people don't think that, but unfortunately they are incorrect. If we are not able, you know, we can remember the event, but we have to truly fall in love with that person so much so that we be we want them to live on our street. We want them to be our friends. No matter how bad and mean they were, we fall in love with them by praying for them every single day, no matter what, from a truly clean and pure heart. True humility. That we truly, truly want even those people that have hurt us to be our best friends in heaven. And to beseech you for their forgiveness with tears in our eyes. And we can feel in our heart when it's pure. I remember so many hundreds over the last 12 years that have, for whatever reason, uh, done bad things, mean things, said mean things, whatever, to me. Out of pride, out of whatever reason it was, out of differing belief systems, whatever. And some of them were incredibly tenacious in their desire to attack. I mean, emails and emails and setting up radio shows and websites and YouTube channels to disparage and, oh my goodness. And I just praise you, Father, for every opportunity that you have given me to pray for them. I pray, Lord, right now, before everybody, I pray for that, that, old, that older lady that named me as one of the, um, you know, the funny thing is, Father, I don't really hold any kind of a grudge about her. I do recollect the her calling me a false prophet, naming me right after David Wilkerson, and thinking, what an incredible blessing that was. 
what an honor. So I guess I really don't feel anything negative about her. I just pray, Father, that you will forgive her. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. I don't know. I don't want to. You know, we're supposed to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to every living creature. Well, I don't even know if she is human. So many of the things that we see, Father, out there today, the rubber masks that are being used um, by Biden. You know, we have video evidence, as you know, Father, of uh, what the entity that refers to itself as Dr. Fauci and Joe Biden. And it's there's so many more that are wearing rubber masks, just like the ones in the movie uh, Mission Impossible. I didn't even think they existed. And then to realize that there was actually a scene in the movie V for Visitors, or in the TV series, where a reptilian being had torn the rubber mask and, and exposed its reptilian head underneath it. And we're now we're living it. It's not just a TV show that we can, you know, from 2005 or six or seven or whatever. It is. I don't remember. Maybe 2010 or 2011, but we're living it. It's it's part of our lives now. And so many are not awake and aware of these things. Many of them don't believe. They're good Christians. A lot of them are wonderful. But they just, just like you used to say, Jesus, all the time, if you can receive it. You never said, if you can't receive it, you're a meathead. (laughs) You're so awesome and you're so kind. You would just say, if you can receive it. And most won't. And that's okay. All that's really important is that we all make it. We all make it to stand before you. We pray in Jesus' name that a spirit of forgiveness will pour out from the heavens like the crystal river across all of the nations. We thank you, Father, for showing us in Matthew 22 that there are two groups of servants that are sent out to tell people about the wedding supper. We thank you for showing us, I think it's in verse 3 of Matthew 22, that you sent out other servants. Not because the first group had died, (laughs) but the first group was at the wedding supper. How awesome. And then there was a second group that was out saving souls and touching people's lives. And that the people's lives that they did successfully touch became guests at the wedding supper. How merciful and awesome is that? That even though they went out into the highways and the byways, the good and the bad, you said in your scripture, when they had accepted Jesus, you still allowed them to become guests at the wedding supper. That is so awesomely cool. You are an awesome father. You're an amazing Jesus. We love you. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus, with all of our heart. Please let us never, never skip a day that we take at least the time to speak in tongues, to close our eyes, And again, for those who have not, and to sing to you, for those, I forgot to close a 
something that I said on the prior show, on on the prior radio show, and I want to mention it now, and hopefully I'll remember to mention it on Sunday as well. But um, I did mention Daniel Sweets. It's very hard to find it, and I'm not sure it's available. And I don't even know if Pastor Daniel Sweet is alive anymore. I don't even I don't know if his ministry even exists anymore, because this was a long time ago that I had actually bought the full CD training. Now, now I will admit that I don't agree with Pastor Daniel Sweet's understanding of a lot of things in his teaching, but the part about allowing the manifestation of the gift of speaking in tongues was perfect, was perfect. And you know, and I did, I have, you know, people always question things. I don't know why they do that. And I know we live in dark times and so people want to try to discern stuff and figure it all out and everything. And that's fine, I guess. But anyway, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes if you can receive it, if you know your scripture well enough, and maybe a lot of us don't, and that makes us a little bit more vulnerable. And then, of course, we want to be more careful. Praise God. And that's okay. There's a proverb or something that says something along the line that a fool believes everything and a wise man you know, looks into it or whatever. I don't know, which is fine. It's good, especially nowadays. <laughs> and if I had a dime for every person that came back to me years after they first heard me and said, wow, you were right. I thought you were a raving lunatic. Oh, my goodness, I'd be wealthy. I'd be retired for sure. <laughs> Praise God. And all the New Agers that wrote me and said, I, I, I didn't know. And I praise God that now I understand who Jesus is. New Agers make the best Christians. Because they're taught about love. They love everybody. The only problem is they don't understand that Jesus is king and they don't understand that some behaviors are unacceptable. And then when they learn who Jesus is, they make wonderful Christians because all of their foundations are correct now because they have the Bible and they understand their rules. It's an amazing thing. It's amazing. They're like, that's just such a ripe harvest field. You can just, I can just, I imagine in my heart sometimes just walking into a room full of new agers and telling them about Jesus. Because let me tell you, they are so close. They're, that, is, that is some fruit that is ready to be picked. I may even have to do some special new age shows um, just to attract some more, you know, because we, I just praise God. I love it every single time the Lord brings somebody as the scripture would say, to Christ, which is bearing fruit. And it's works that will remain, which are captured in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, um, you know, 13, 14, 15, right there, where it talks about our works will be tested of what sort they are. And when they, when they, um, when our works remain or, you know, resolving that individual to some degree, uh, making it to heaven, then we receive a reward. And if our works are burned because they were, they really didn't produce any fruit um, for whatever reason. Or the other problem is if we ever try to do something out of that's not that doesn't spring forth out of love, any work, any behavior, anything that we do for the kingdom that doesn't spring forth out of love, 
receives no reward whatever whatsoever. That's captured very clearly in First Corinthians um, three, First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen. Sorry. Um. Thank you, Lord. And yeah, today was you know it was a good day, but there's still long days when you start them at four o'clock in the morning and you got to work. You know, until five, you can count the hours. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just lift you up and we praise your holy name. And we're going to start in the name of Jesus by getting rid of the darkness. We're going to get rid of the darkness. We're going to get rid of the fiery darts. We're going to get rid of the the uh, earthly and spiritual weapons. We're going to rebuke all the demons and all the spirits that would come against us, most of which will come through Christians almost invariably every single time. Unbelievers very rarely, with the exception of the entities that are being created. I don't even know what they are. I have no idea. I don't even want to talk about it, but they're being ultimately created by the Antichrist at this time. And sometimes I don't know whether they're even worth praying for, but that's okay because I'm still very, very busy praying for the lost. Not only hundreds of people, all, you know, many of which I, I, I raise up to the Lord by name, but also in accordance with Ezekiel 22.30, where it says, I sought for a man amongst them who would, you know, build a wall and and stand before me or stand before the land that I would not destroy it, and I found no one. You know, stand in the gap. And that that standing in the gap concept is interesting because it it refers to the land, not the individuals in the land. But by implication, the individuals in the land, which is not defined specifically, is... It's an open understanding. In other words, it's a broad stroke of the Word of God in the sense that we can pray for the land and by implication, the people therein. Because there would be no point in Ezekiel having seen and heard God say that he sought for a man to stand in the gap to pray for the land. And in and, and Daniel, I believe, again, once again, I believe it was 924, but I'll verify it right now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Just need to verify it sometimes because I've just been so busy and I'm getting older, too. Seventy works are determined. Reconciliation, everlasting righteousness. Hmm. It isn't Daniel 924. I thought it was. Hold on. Daniel 924. Let me try 25. Um, well, I know how I can find it for sure. I can hunt through thousands of scriptures in uh, in the in the prayer vigil short show notes. That that'll only take me an hour. <laughs> That's this way. Thank you, Jesus, for the internet is to just go ahead and internet hunt for it. It does say it's Daniel nine. Ah. So oh, now doggone it if that if that link would just be a little longer it would show me the verse. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at Daniel nine. 
Praise God. And thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. It should be. Hold on a second. Let me see if I have it over here. I thought it was Daniel 9.24 the whole time. Sorry for the microphone boom. Making a squeaky sound. Praise God. It looks like it's Daniel, maybe Daniel 9.16 through 19. Possibly or closer to that area. So I need to embed that. Daniel 9.16. Daniel 9.16. Let's see if that's right first. Daniel 9.16. Oh, I'll be dagnabbed. It's Daniel 9.20. If my eyes would have just looked a couple of lines up for Daniel 9.24, I would have seen it. And the funny thing is I had it highlighted. It says, now Daniel's speaking, and he says, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, this is Daniel, this is Daniel, and the sins of his people of Israel. So here's, you know, you really just got to think about it a little bit. So first he would be saying, Dear Heavenly Father, I have sinned before thee. You know, and he would surely soul search himself of every little thought, everything that popped into his heart, everything that was in accordance, you know, just that might not be pleasing to the Lord. And he would say, I, I, I feel in my heart that I shouldn't have done this, Father, and I pray that you will please forgive me. I feel in my heart that I thought this about someone else, and I probably shouldn't have, and I pray that you will forgive me, Father, please. But then, in a second action, he then prayed for the sins of the people of Israel. It actually, but it's, you know, it's kind of smushed together in this text. All the Bible's like that. You actually have to use your meditation and imagination to try to put yourself there to think of how it actually went down. So when it says, now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, which is passionate, fervent, tear-filled prayer. That's what supplication means. Um, you, 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 it's not one action. These are, this is, you know, essentially a, it describes the intensity of his prayer. It describes his first action, which was to confess of his own sins. And then it describes his second action, which was to confess of the sins of the people of Israel. Wow. That is so revealing. And by the way, it is captured quite eloquently and clearly in the New Testament as well. But a lot of the preachers and, you know, Bible college trained people and churchianity people don't understand it. But we still love them anyway. Because you know what? The only thing that matters is Jesus. And our worshiping him. Not denominations, not our notions about what we think is right or wrong. None of that matters. In the end, really, who cares? As long as as that which the other person believes is not going to send them or others to hell, then who cares? They can believe whatever they want to believe. 
They can believe there are absolutely no other life in all the universes. It's kind of prideful, but that's okay. We all have our human side, and we can't all receive things. We just can't. Or Jesus would have said it so many times. If you can receive it, and let the reader beware... And so many just don't understand those things. And maybe I have some of it wrong. I mean, I'm sure I have at least a 20% margin of error. I Maybe more. And with the prayers of the saints and our Father God relenting and changing his mind, as he does, sometimes he even says in the scripture, I will not relent. I will not change my mind. It is officially time for judgment. Praise God. I love the scriptures. There's so much in them. And you see, I, my, I'm drawn to mysteries. Types and shadows are interesting, and they do teach a wonderful story. No doubt. No question about it. But I, I love the mysteries. I, I want to know things like, you know, if we write the scriptures of our Heavenly Father, the Word, our Lord Jesus, who is the Word, into our heart, it will help us to pre- it will help prevent us from sinning against the Lord. You know, I think it's like Psalm ninety one eleven or something like that. But anyway, oh, I can check it. I have it right here. Hold on a second. Okay. I just need to go through. The problem is, oh, no. Ah, darn it. I didn't get ahead on this one. But the, it's it's something like that. And it's uh, it basically, um, here, I know how I can find it. The problem is sometimes this, my PC study Bible, which is incredible, Praise you, Jesus. Sometimes it, oh, well, look at that. Maybe Windows 11 finally patched itself enough times that it's coming up every time. Because it was getting, it was locking up and I was getting pretty bombed. I knew how to get around it, but praise Jesus. All right, it came right up. So, like, I can find out for sure now it's easy to do because this has an incredible search feature through 22 different renditions of the Bible, the Septuagint, the Hebrew, and everything. Um, Praise God. So anyway, um, and I can do Boolean searches, so I can type in here. um, I can type the word right, heart, plus sin. So it basically says, you know, I want to write your scriptures on my heart, and I would not sin against thee. So I just search on right plus heart plus sin. Those three words must be present in order for it to find it. Oops, didn't find it, which means I have to shrink it down a little bit. I'm just going to go with right and sin, because I'm pretty sure the word right is there. And we got a winner. Thank you, Jesus. It's hunting. It's very quick. It comes up right away and says, you're a meathead. You put something wrong in there. Now it's actually looking through the whole Bible. Might take a second or two. 
actually, it's taking longer than I thought. That's not a good sign. Ah, dig on it. It's uh, either 91.11 or 90. No, 91.11, I think it is. But anyway, I, I can check with. Wait a minute. There it is. Um, yes. Oh, no. No, no. It's, uh, it's still searching, though. There's a delay. It's probably my probably my computer getting ready to barf again and go blue screen. So if I disappear off the air, you'll know what happened. Happened on the last show. Anyway, praise Jesus. Um, so let me see if it is the one that I think it is. Psalm 91.11. Let's see what that says. No, no, that's not it. Um, oh, which is, oh, it bothers me. Um, I'm going to find it because I'm just, Dagnabbit determined. So now I'm going to get rid of Google and go to DuckDuckGo, which usually has more accurate searches anyway. Um, I will write the word, your word on my heart. Somebody else searched for it. Oh, Okay, here's okay, look how close the numbers are. That's why I was thinking what I was thinking. Okay, so it's Psalm one nineteen eleven, not ninety one eleven. So I, anyway. One of the problems that I've been I don't want to call it a problem, but a challenge is that I've memorized so many scriptures <laughs> that now there are the chapter and verses are I got to go back and just start all over again and start you know re embedding chapter and verses uh, into my heart again. I, I have it's a lot of them I have because I repeat them over and over again. But a, a lot of them that I used to have pretty good, um, I haven't reinforced it. So I, then I get kind of forgetful and I say ninety one eleven when it's really one nineteen eleven, which is I have I have hidden and it's not written, that's why I didn't get a hit. I have hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against thee. Praise God, that's so awesome. All right, first, let us use let's get rid of all of the attack vectors that could come against us. This is something I do almost every day. Unless, you know, I have a, there are times, very rarely, that um, I have such a bad night's sleep and I have such a big day to go enter that I have to abridge my prayers, my prayer time, because I need the extra sleep or I won't be able to function on my job. And that's pretty rare that that happens, but it does happen sometimes. Um, Praise God. Um, Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, let us use a very, I know, I, how do I say this? Some of you may have been listening to the prayer vigil for years. Praise God. However, others maybe never heard of it before. And then there are others that are getting, you know, People get discouraged, and sometimes when they get discouraged, they kind of like backslide and go back into life and, you know, whatever. And we all have our challenges, and they're abundant. They really are quite abundant, and it can affect us. It can affect – we can become snarky and mean and not even realize it. It, It's just life. It's just – and plus that combined with all of this stuff going on around us right now that it was incredibly dark. But I – 
I want to reinforce, and I, I made this three hours long to be able to reinforce some of these things, and I wanted this to be a deep, true, heartfelt prayer vigil. But I never want, I already know what worked for me. And I know people that have, for whatever reason, and I'm not passing, this isn't about passing judgment, but they may have had some bad things happen to them when they were younger. And that can sometimes cause them to have to wrestle more with demon problems. And sometimes they even have to seek help through deliverance ministries. Sometimes those deliverance ministries don't understand the magnitude of what happened to that individual. And it's just so complicated when it has anything to do with, um, when it has anything to do with uh, a young person and sex. Let's just leave it at that. Especially when it's, it's, it's just not good. And that, that opens up demonic challenges. We'll just leave it at that. And they're at different degrees, too. So that makes it even harder for the deliverance person. Most, I have the greatest of love and respect for any of my brothers and sisters. But people who have dedicated their lives to doing deliverance ministry, to me, are heroes. Truly heroes. Because the stuff, even Lester Summerall told the Lord he didn't want to do deliverance. <laughs> it was like, I don't want to do it. God was telling him to go in to deliver this woman that was in jail. That it was just, it was all over the news and the radio. Because back then they didn't have TV in Manila. And, and she was, she had, she was, oh, she was killing people and doing all that Linda Blair weirdness. And, um, you know, and the Lord told Lester Summerall he was there to get a church. He wanted to set up a church. He wanted to plant a church in Manila. Well, God wanted him to earn it. <laughs> and so he told him, I want you to go in and get rid of the demons inside that right woman. And Lester was like, oh, man, no way. I hate deliverance. I don't want nothing to do with it. And you know what? I totally understand that, and especially when it's that kind of deliverance. Who wants to be a guest star in The Exorcist? You know what I'm saying? That isn't fun. Okay, and, and fortunately, a lot of it is like that, and it's not. It's it's awful. And the other thing is, the person's life is at stake in some cases. You know, so if you don't show up for work and that person kills themselves, that ain't good. So I just have the deepest, deepest, deepest respect for anybody who's dedicated their lives to, to doing that kind of work. Um, praise God for them. But for the most of us, I can speak with an emphatic, real testimony, okay, of what happened to me. I'm not going to get into all the details. Uh, I have in the past, not all the details, but enough details to paint out a picture of how bad it was. Now, all that being said... After that event occurred, that the individual that was sent to kill me was um, being controlled by a witch coven. Now, the only reason I'm, I'm not trying to detract from the prayer vigil and go into a testimony mode, I'm just simply helping you to understand that I had to go on a journey by myself.
with no one helping me at all except the Lord. Okay? Because you can't walk into a church and tell them what happened to me because they won't believe it. They won't understand it. There's a lot of people that love the Lord. They're wonderful teachers and preachers. They're good at what they do, but they don't understand a lot of stuff. And that's okay. But for whatever reason, the Lord wanted me to go through it. Maybe because I'm telling you this right now to help you understand. So I knew because of the circumstances and because of the guests that we brought on the radio show and the books that I have read and the years of service that I've done for the Lord, with the Lord, in, in, in these areas that other Christians won't touch with a 10-foot pole because they don't understand it and half of them don't even believe it. Or should I say 99% of them don't even believe it. I don't even know what the percent, but it's a lot. It's almost all. The point is this. It was a journey I had to go on by myself. And I already knew that that, in, that that individual was being controlled by a witch coven. That's how it works. And I can tell you that the witch coven was located in Holiday, Florida. Exactly where, I don't know. But I saw some of them, two of them. One in pickup truck and one of them in a police car. But anyway, um, all that aside, I had my journey required me to, I had to fight my way out of it by myself and through prayer and through listening for that still small voice. That feeling that you know isn't coming from your own free will, that link that shows up on a, web, on, a, on a web search that's like the impossibly perfect link and takes you right to where you, you really needed to be. And so in my journey, so to describe how I personally arrived at this method for fighting off the darkness consistently on a daily basis. And I can personally attest, meaning, you know, if I was in a court of law, that's what attest means. You, you raise your right hand, you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. I am attesting to the fact that this actually happened before God, because he knows he was there. He went through it with me. But it started with me knowing that I I was dealing with witch covens and SRIDID creepy stuff. So anyway, so then I went and got, it, it started with me getting a prayer. It was a deliverance how-to book, really, for SRIDID, but it was loaded with all of these prayers. Now, in my opinion, a lot of people pray too much. Uh, I don't mean pray too much, like... Some people, for some reason, and it, and it, by the way, it was inside this SRADID book, so I'm not going to say that it doesn't work. How would I know? But I will tell you where it led me. Because this little booklet that was only about maybe 50, 60 pages was loaded with different kinds of prayers. And some people will pray, and if it works for them, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. But... My heart told me that that was too much. I don't think that it's necessary 
In fact, I know in my heart that it's not. Now, there are certain types of deliverances where you may have to dig deeper and yank them out and have conversations with the demons and all that kind of weirdness, and I don't want to get into that. I, But I can tell you, as far as a good, well-behaved, obedient Christian that has no embedded living, you know, and no demons that were injected to them at a young age because of abuse or any of that kind of stuff. And I didn't have any of that. So I was very blessed to not have to deal with that stuff because that's, that's another dynamic and it re- might require more stuff. It almost certainly does. But in my situation, which would be, which was wrought with direct attacks against my life, witch covens for sure. And I know from reading the book, He Came to Set the Captives Free, how it all works. And from lots and lots and lots of experience and testimonies. Now, all that being said, suddenly I was the one under attack. And I knew it. Oh, and by the attack, by the way, the attacks went on for a really long time. They're tenacious. Humans that invite extremely powerful demons, walk-ins, the Hillary Clinton-type entities of the world, um, and sometimes they're just satanic servants in a witch coven, and they can their souls can still be saved at that point, even if they've invited a powerful demon as a walk-in to give them power they're still savable and you can still pray for them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It actually really messes things up for them. But the problem is they want the demon to stay there and that makes it almost, it's a very, very difficult battle. So in that case, you know, I saw all the prayers like, oh, you've got to pray against, you know, here's a prayer for being under attack for from computer technologies and stuff. And it would go and I come against every floppy disk. I come against every IBM 20, you know, whatever, a 386, you know, I come against, you know, every uh, power cord. I come against, in the name of Jesus, every electron, every wire, every cable. And, and it's just going on and on and on and on and on. And I'm like going, what? I'm like, you know what? If it worked for them, even once, it was worth it. But the Lord revealed to me that it was the holy fire. It was inside the John Melindy testimony from the Satanist that was testifying that when we pray fervently and we immerse ourselves in our prayer, heartfelt, on our knees, pushing through, that our our prayers turn into fire and the demons that would normally go and snuff out our prayers scatter in all directions. They're horrified of God's holy fire. Zechariah 2.5. It's the only place the holy fire of God is mentioned in the entire Bible. Well, no, one other place. But the Lord revealed this to me long, long long thereafter. The fire that is breathed out of the mouths of the two servants, which is not too bearded Hebrew standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv, no matter how many people say so. It's not. If it is, they are only a teensy-weensy little part of, this, of a much bigger event. But the lampstand and the olive tree are the Christians and the Jews. Okay, simple as that. End of story. One, tes- one has the test of... Testi- testi- 
test they testify about God, and the other has the um, they testify about Jesus. But they're one in the same. And as it says in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, man nor woman. We are all one in Christ. However, in Revelation 11, it talks about you know the olive tree and the lampstand. So it kind of almost implies it's two groups. But in, in it, really, when you think about it, even the Bible does when it says, neither Jew nor Gentile. I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. But I also know that we're made one in Christ, so that means by definition there's no such thing as a Messianic Jew. So it's kind of weird, huh? But anyway, I don't get wrapped up in all of that stuff. Um, the fire that is shot out of the mouths of the two witnesses for three and a half years times, times, half the time, whatever, that, that's the holy fire of God. And it's being used as a weapon against the darkness. Once all of that was revealed to me, I no longer needed that booklet of SRADID prayers. It wasn't necessary. It was way overkill. And believe it or not, I saw immediately, immediate, the relief was immediate. It was so obvious. I could feel it. It was, it was palpable relief. The oppression lifted. Now, the journey to get back to where I was was a long journey wrought with thy rod and thy staff comforting me, right? Okay, in other words, you have to go through the refiner's fire and be kind of beaten to a fruit juicy pulp until, you know, and, and, and it's not all about chastening. It's, it's, it's a combination. Sometimes it's chastening, but then it, after chastening comes refiner's fire. And God doesn't want to really stop refining you. That's why Paul got the thorn in the flesh thing going on, to keep him humble. Because we all have a human tendency to be human, and that's not ideal. Where it says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities. I take pleasure in my reproaches. I take pleasure in my needs. I take pleasure in my distresses for Christ's sake. I do it because, and you know what? I used to think that when it would say for Christ's sake, that you had to be like, I don't know, preaching on a street corner or doing something actively like, you know, leading somebody or, test, you know, in order for it to be for Christ's sake. But no, not really, because your walk is for Christ's sake. Your prayers are for Christ's sake. All glorious works before God. And the smaller things that we do, God holds in great reverence. Praise God. So, basically, once that all got put together for me, and I knew that the two witnesses were using the, the fire of God as a weapon against you know, the works of the devil and entities, I'm sure, and all kinds of weirdness because it's going to be a very creepy, dark time. And then um, 
And by the way, also the other thing about Revelation 11 is it's not clear. To, as far as I'm concerned, that happens during the Great Tribulation. A lot of people would disagree with me about that. I believe with all of my heart that actually happens during the Great Tribulation, but I'm not going to get into that because that's another 30, 45 minutes of sharing testimony and the reason why I believe that. But that's okay. But here's the thing. Here I had this booklet of probably, I don't know, 30 prayers, very detailed, very weird and specific and methodological in their, in their tactics. And I thought, what do I need all that for? And then, I, and then the Lord revealed to me the holy fire. I was already praying, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit, my flesh, my record-keeping books in heaven, and my robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. And I got that from Brother Larry, who is the brother of, of L.V. Zapata, and he had been taken to heaven. And um, he, he showed that to me, and I was like, I even said to him, I said, where's the holy fire in the Bible? And he, took, he showed me Zechariah 2.5. But see, he, even Larry did not realize that the fire that was mentioned uh you know, coming out of the mouths of the two witnesses or whatever for times, times, half a time, which is essentially three and a half years, which is a direct reference to the period of the Great Tribulation. But anyway, it's a weapon. It's the greatest weapon. You combine that understanding with the testimony of the Satanist who is stopping, working for Satan and extremely powerful principalities and powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness, rulers of darkness and demons in, spirit, in the spiritual realm, whose dedicated purpose was to go on shifts. They would have different shifts during, the, you know, because they got to cover the world, right? And it's night, it's day, it's night, day. People are always praying. They got to stop the prayers. It's, they would work in shifts. The demons probably didn't have to work in shifts, but the humans that had de dedicated their work to Satan and were astral projecting into the spiritual realm, they, they did. They had to work on shifts because they had to have their day job too. They had to eat, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, the, and then you take the fact that it, it very, very vividly points out that the de as soon as the prayers spin up into this like fire tornado, the holy fire of God, and it melts through the firmament of the rock, this thick layer of ugly, sick, filthy stench that covers this spiritual realm that we can't see. Thank you, Jesus. All right, um, and that the angels unfortunately have to travel through in order to bring us the, our answers to our prayers if we break through, unless you speak in tongues. And I just realized I am going into testimony, but we got plenty of time, so that's okay. Praise God. But it's important, so important. When you put it all together, all of it stitches together in perfect harmony. And it's all part of our Heavenly Father. Or you could say it was the Holy Spirit. But aren't they all one and the same? It's interesting. But, the, but, but the, our Heavenly Father, essentially what he did was he led me on a journey. And then because I'm this... I don't know, the unusual personality type that I am, 
And I don't know. I remember things acutely. I, I don't, I stitch things together and they just appear before me. I, I it just happens. I, it's, I, you can call it uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, the most common human term for it is um, critical thinking. But then you got to have critical thinking plus a really good memory. And then you, you know, it's all that. And so when you put all of it together, you put it all in a big salad bowl and, it, and it's like, that's the answer. That's the answer. And then I knew for sure. So what I did was I essentially took, you know, some of the stuff that I had learned in what I thought was the best prayer. And I, I actually really need to take the time to update the spiritual warfare page on tribulation. Now it's so time consuming and I'm so busy. I'm helping folks do things that are really important to them. And everything takes time. You only have so much energy. Praise God. But anywhere on the spiritual warfare prayers page, the one part, there's tons of stuff there, tons of stuff there, praying in the courts of heaven, all that kind of stuff. But, um, and lots of scriptures, lots and lots of scriptures. But there's a section that I injected there from the Canaan ministries of South Africa. They have a lot of problems with satanic ritual abuse. There's more Satanism in Africa than any other country. But anyway, um, there's a lot of it in others that are similar type countries, but what I mean by similar is uh, where they have tribes people. I mean, really, that's pretty much it. I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. This isn't, you know, uh, tribal communities. Um, I don't really understand why. I'm not going to even venture a guest. I'm just going to simply, anybody who knows about these things and have studied these things understands that Africa is a major problem area for that. Um, and so is uh, so are the jungle areas and the indigenous areas of South America. Very, and anyway. So all that being said, I bubbled it all up, and I took the rule of the victor prayer. It was a very short prayer, but I read about it. And what was interesting is the rule of the victor prayer. The rule of the victor prayer I have on the spiritual warfare prayers page. I have so much on that page. It's unbelievable. It's like, it would take like hours to read it all. But, the, but right in the middle, I have the rule of the victor prayer. And I took this straight out of the Canaan Ministries uh, Satanic Ritual Abuse booklet of prayers. And it, you know, it had it. It, it, this is what it said, quote, it said, according to Leonard M. Onspock, a specialist in satanic ritual abuse and disassociative identity disorder victims and spiritual warfare, upon using these particular prayers against the forces of darkness, future attacks against his clients and his ministry were greatly reduced. And in most cases, most cases, completely, completely eliminated. Until then, there were constant attacks, and they had to continuously fight against them. It goes on to say, quote, when the underworld has a grip on someone or 
a ministry, these prayers proactively cancel and prohibit future attacks against the person for or the ministry. And then they say, apply the rule of the victor in your life. And this is a direct quote from the booklet, the rule of the victor prayers, which I prayed, I uh, sort of a variation of them on this program many times, and I still use this variation. We exercise the rule of the victor, which of course is referring to Jesus, over all the demonic regions that have set their wills against us or me. We exercise the rule of the victor, Jesus, against all those demonic regions that have permitted spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us. We command that they be cut off from ever receiving power from the darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So take away their power. Spoils of war, they said. We require the immediate destruction of all their artifacts and books of sorcery, etc. We require the immediate reversal of all their schemes. Penalties applied into the pit, exclamation point, in Jesus' name. And I even have a, a link to the... Uh, that manual, the Canaan Ministries uh, Step-by-Step SRADID Deliverance Manual. There's a link there on that page, right below the Rule of the Victor Prayers, which I just quoted you. Well, then I started to pray that, and I could feel some relief. But then I, it, all of a sudden, I don't know, it was like an epiphany from God, a revelation from heaven, and it all hit me. And I knew, wait a minute. Why go through all that? Why not use the fire of God? I, so I use the fire of God for everything, for offense and for defense. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's concise, it's fast, it's to the point, and highly effective. You don't have to sit there and say, I come against every electron and every wire and every computer button and every floppy disk and every hard drive and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And you're sitting there for two hours like, and I'm like, what? What are you doing? But, you know, it, like I said, if it does work for that individual, I praise Jesus with all of my might. But for me, it was just, it just seemed, it was just like, not for me. So anyway, once the Lord revealed the holy fire as our key weapon to me, then it became pretty simple. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I will weave in little bits and pieces. But really, when, it, when this prayer, when the rule of the victor prayer says, we require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, I can see how that's punishing the demons. But you know what? Nothing punishes the demons more than the holy fire of God shooting down from the glory pillar, which is a swirling pillar of fire in the throne room of God. Holy fire. Nothing is more agonizing and horrific than for them to be struck by that fire. They scatter 
We're talking about second-order demons will run, scatter for their lives. They are horrified. I mean, utterly, utterly horrified. And when I thought about that, I thought, what other weapon do I need? None. And so at that point, like I said, while I will occasionally weave some of this into it, essentially how I pray, and this is to help you out, I wanna, that's what I want, I want to try to zero in tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to take communion. I know I only have an hour. But this is important because I, I am receiving more and more emails from people that backslid, and are really getting close to the Lord right now in a powerful, mighty way. And I'm so happy because the parable of the sowers in the vineyard, I'm sorry, the, um, yeah, some, something like that, the workers in the vineyard. Jesus says that he reserves the right. doesn't matter if they work their whole life. It doesn't matter if they work the last 15 minutes of their life. Jesus will pay them whatever he feels they deserve to be paid because it's up to him so doing it longer than somebody else doesn't mean you're getting greater rewards. Coming in late to the game doesn't mean you're getting greater, you know, lesser rewards. That parable is to help us understand that Jesus will reward us as he sees fit. And we have life and death in the power of the tongue so that we should never say things like, oh, I think I'm going to be sent to the FEMA camps. Oh, I think that I'll never qualify to be the bride of Jesus Christ. Oh, I think there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Jesus is the power of Jesus Christ and the Godhead is literally coming through your mind, through your tongue. And you are speaking forth a confession with the power of the Godhead and you are basically I'm sorry to say it like this, but you're cursing yourself. You think you're being humble. You think, no, you're not. Hope and faith is our walk. It is the essence of who we are. Never, never curse yourself by saying, oh, I'm not worthy for this, or oh, I'm not worthy for that, or oh, I'll never make it, or oh, I think I'm going to be cast into great tribulation, or whatever. That is the devil attacking your mind with fiery darts, making you feel guilty for stuff that you know that you shouldn't have done, instead of feeling absolved by the blood of Jesus who loves you with all of his heart, and understanding the life and death that you have in the power of your tongue, and through that confession that exudes the power of the Godhead as you speak it forth. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. And if you don't speak in tongues now, you need to pursue it with all of your heart. Let me tell you, folks, um, nothing of all the gifts. Now, there's, there's the Holy Spirit gift of love. That's a great one. There's the Holy Spirit gift of wisdom. Nobody really understands it. Nobody claims it. There's the Holy Spirit gift of discernment, which very few people understand. They think it's more of a word of knowledge, which it is not. Um, it, it, and there's different degrees of the gift of discernment, some of them of which I want nothing to do with. Thank you very much. I don't need to be seeing any big, ugly, Draco reptilian demon things. Okay, I, that's that maybe for somebody else to do. All right, but but anyway, and there's interpretation of tongues, which by the way nowadays is hardly. It's really, I hate to say this, but there just aren't any churches that are following First Corinthians 15 the way they ought to be. There are none of them. I, I you know I I just I would have to see it to believe it. Let me put it that way. 
because I grew up in that kind of a church. And even with the remnant that's left there, I shouldn't say the remnant, the, the leftover version of that church that still exists has degraded because that's how Satan works. He degrades things over time. I wanted to share this with you. This is so important. We are of many different types of the body. You need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, uh, Hold on a second. I'm going to go to Amazon real quick because I know I'll find it. I actually have the DVD. It might even be available on Amazon. I'm typing in baptism of the Holy Spirit into Amazon. All right. And I'm looking because there's a bunch of people that have some stuff here. I would not want to trust. There's very few people. I just, they might mean well, but there's awful, there's a lot of folks that don't understand stuff. No, I would trust anything from Kenneth Hagen. He's gone to heaven already. I'm just trying to find it. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Hold on a second. Let me type one more word. Um, DVD. Okay. Maybe they have it. Oh, come on, man. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Nope. Boy, there sure is a lot. Oh, wow, there's one here, Smith Wigglesworth. That's a good one. There's there's Tozer, but that's how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a different concept. So anyway, um, I'm kind of sad that this isn't available on Amazon now. I'm just not seeing it. I'll have to go down and find my DVD. But... um, Hold on a second. Typing one more thing. There she is. La, 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 la. Okay. Unfortunately, it's going to make me open up a a thing here, and I'm going to have to read a whole bunch of stuff. Hold on. Okay. Now, a lot of people say negative things about this lady. And I would never, ever do that. I don't think negative things about anybody ever. But I can. I do have a a very discerning, highly sensitive spirit. And I I can see the future sometimes. I know that I'm about to be attacked. I can feel the tone of a person's, even in a text message. And, um, uh, but anyway, and then, then that puts me on guard and then I get prepared to, to, you know, love them and entreat upon them and then kind of step away kind of thing, you know, in advance because I don't want it to turn into something. But anyway, Joyce Meyer. Now, I know, I know, you know, if you can go out there, look, if you can find videos on the Internet disparaging me, calling me horrible names, telling that I'm the I'm the I'm the second most uh, false prophet uh, on the Internet next to David Wilkerson. Are you kidding me? So, folks, you can't believe the things that you hear on the Internet. And and if you don't know that by now, I'm my heart is broken for you now. And I can tell you that there are sometimes recordings that are legitimate that are at least appear legitimate 
we don't know for sure if they're deep fakes and have audio overlaced upon them by people who are being affected by demons or controlled by demons. I don't even want to go there. I just love everybody. Now, I know I have heard some of these in this list. Some of these folks in this list say things that I don't agree with, and I, um, I know that they're not right. But I also know that they could repent at any time, and therefore, if I dare disparage them by name, I have judged them in front of people publicly. And if they repent later, Jesus Christ will hold me accountable in heaven, and it might be a not-so-happy day, let me tell you. Judge not that ye be judged. There's a difference between judging somebody, and there's a difference between discerning a sin. Sometimes the words, that's what the Englishman's concordance is for in the Bible, because people will just look at 1 Corinthians 5 and they'll go, well, Paul said he judged this, and Paul said he judged that. Well, first and foremost, he was an appointed apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was able to speak on behalf of Jesus. And he was also be able, because of Jesus' anointing upon him, to be able to, uh, as well as Peter and John and the whole bunch of them, uh, you know, that they were given the authority to establish rules on behalf of Jesus Christ because they were in his presence. And the end of the, the, the last verse, the last two couple of verses in the Gospel of John said, say, I suppose if we had written down everything that Jesus had done, it would fill up enough books to fill up the entire world. What that means is we've probably heard only about 1% of what he actually did and said. We have no idea what he said to the apostles. Just little bits and pieces. So again, um, and I have seen, you know, my ex-wife, who's, who is a uh, graduating Catholic, never completely graduated. Well, actually, she's doing quite well right now, but still not there. And I pray for her every day. And we're friends. But anyway, um, Joyce, she loved Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer was her go-to person. She would listen to her audio teachings and stuff in the morning, and it was the closest I ever saw her become to the Lord Jesus Christ. In her, in, in, and I've known her since she was 14. Okay, so, so um, when people disparage Joyce Meyer or any of these people, in this world, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know, maybe I can tell you that um, I, I don't want to get into it, but I'm telling you, it, the worst thing you can do is judge these people. I'm telling you, you're going to regret it. And boy, oh boy, are you going to regret it for all of eternity. You will regret it unless you're just somebody who doesn't care and you're just glad to have a little pup tent in the or whatever or a little apartment out in the outer darkness, whatever the case is. I personally think that Jesus has given us an incredible, merciful opportunity to be all that we can be, to be part of the bride, to be part of the ruling class, to be part of that greatest glory, that greatest reward. But we need to know our Bible really well. And, um, and that's why I spend, that's why I feel so powerfully led by the Holy Spirit 
during these prayer vigils because I know what's happening. I start praying and I start talking to God and, and you know, the more intense my prayers are with the Lord, the more the Holy Spirit comes over me. I can feel my hair standing up on my arms, that tingling feeling. And then all of a sudden I go into one of these deals like I'm doing right now. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, but I end up. Joyce Meyer, I don't know if you can have it. I'm going to see if I can find it out on the Internet. It might be an eBay thing nowadays because it's, it's old. I'm going to go to eBay.com and see if they have it because I want people getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you need it. And you might have it, but you just don't know that you can speak in tongues. And that's, that is definitely not ideal because speaking in tongues is the most, one of the most powerful gifts, and 99.9% of the Christians out there do not realize it. There's even a book my sister got me. It was like 700 reasons to speak in tongues. And I'm like thinking to myself, how much do I want to bet myself that the real reason isn't in that book? (laughs) You have to go through what I went through to know what the real reason is. But anyway, praise God. It's just how it works. Um, But anyway, the real reason is because it bypasses the ability of the demons to stop your prayers. They can't see them. And if they, if they can't see them, they can't attack them. There isn't a wisp of smoke going up in the demonic realm that they can attack or stop. Okay, there's none of that. It bypasses them. You can be seeped in sin, seeped in sin, fornicating, taking drugs, doing everything bad. And if you start speaking in tongues, by golly, your prayers will go straight into the throne room of God and bypass the demons of darkness. That is a power everybody needs right now. We all need it. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we need to speak in tongues. I cannot say this with greater emphasis. I cannot say this with greater emphasis. Well, let me search eBay real quick. Joyce Myers, Holy Spirit DVD. Well, what do you know? It's a landfall. Here's one for six dollars and sixty cents. Here's one for nine bucks. Here's one for ten ninety five. Here's one for thirteen. I, you know what? For the for one of these, I would pay it in a snap because what she did. I don't what you know. I don't want to you know. Whatever you do, if you send me an email about how much you don't like this person, I can guarantee you I'm going to block it, and you'll never talk to me again because I ain't going there. I am not going to get sucked into your whirlwind of demonic oppression. All right, praise God. So anyway, on that note, this woman and I had the most unbelievable. uh, I mean, I my my heart. Oh my gosh, I just fell in love with her. Now, look, I'm never going to agree with everything that every preacher or whatever does or thinks or whatever. And sometimes, yes, they do go, they teach prosperity doctrine. I can tell you as a fact that, uh, um, oh gosh, what was the name of that guy? That we're, he always wears the, the suit, and he's the one that, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Maurice Clark uh, played in his little band as he would travel around, and he was really big on, uh, you know, prosperity doctrine. And he repented at a, you know, I got a phone call from Pastor Aaron Wagner on a Saturday night while uh, Todd White was live uh, delivering people on the stage because they couldn't figure out how to get a demon out of this one woman. I, they called me. 
I'm not joking you. And um and uh and behind the stage was this you know the, uh, the I, I'm just can't think of his name at the moment, but he was crying, bawling his eyes out, and begging God to forgive him for prosperity doctrine. So now every single Christian out there that has publicly badmouthed him has pretty much forfeited their inheritance and rewards, and I don't know how serious their losses will be in heaven, <coughs> but they will be judged by Jesus. I don't want to be judged. And I know that there's a scripture that says every person will have to give account for everything that they say, but I do not believe that that applies to the bride of Jesus Christ. And I will tell you because God said in Isaiah 43:25, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And I can quote a whole bunch of more of them and say essentially the same thing. So you would, most people would say, well, that's a contradiction. No, what it is, it's, is it's a tiered-based rewards program. And there are those that will have to give an account. There are those that Jesus is just going to welcome with open arms. And when, uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. I've, I've got the, te- there's, it's a long testimony. But anyway, Joy, this Joy, on eBay, if you type in Joyce Myers Holy Spirit DVD, she's in a, a large uh, stadium kind of a thing, an indoor stadium kind of a thing, and there are thousands of people in the audience. And she is standing up on the stage, and she is literally getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit from the stage in the audience. They are receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues because they are following her lead on the stage. And therein lies the key. I didn't start speaking in tongues until the uh, four or five elders that were that were laying hands on me because they were you got to bring down the Holy Spirit upon the person. It is extremely now you can receive it by yourself in a room. Some people can. Some people will struggle a little bit more. Some people have you know they discern things differently. They're more critical thinking and they're looking for some light to shine or they're expecting some something different. It's not a total surrender of faith. It's not childlike. And they their adult attributes and their adult characteristics block them. It blocks it. And so when people when that occurs if you were to do, like, this is one of the ways. So the Joyce Myers is one thing that you can try, that DVD on eBay. The other thing, which I forgot to mention on the last show and I needed to, is find your, look, 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 we all know that churchianity is dorked up right now, okay? By the way, don't take anything but a King James Bible into this church if you take a Bible at all. Probably better not to take a Bible at all. But if you have a King James, that's fine to take that Bible. But don't take it. If it's not a King James, don't take it with you. Just don't. I come from a Pentecostal background, okay? Now, they called themselves non-denominational, but just follow my lead on this, okay? (laughs) You really don't want... There are certain things that make people edgy for whatever reason, and they believe what they believe for whatever reason they believe it, and that's not why you're going to the church in the first place. You're going for the power, 
you're going to get laid on a, the laying on of hands. Okay, that's because sometimes it the Holy Spirit when when we're when we think too much, when our brains are spinning around and around and around, and they're thinking, 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 you're dorking yourself over. You're not going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what that pastor said. I don't care. I give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, and they laid hands on you, and then they walk away like you got, like you received it. I mean, oh my gosh, I've seen the worst of these things happen in my personal life. I had that happen to a friend of mine who I was trying to get saved. He went up to get saved, and the pastor screwed it all up by walking over and laying his hands on the guy and saying, I baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And, and so we get back to the house and he goes, can you, can you tell me what was that baptize in the Holy Spirit thing he said? And not only did I know that he wasn't saved, but I also knew that he clearly did not get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're asking those kinds of questions, he didn't get it. So anyway, now sometimes we can be in praise and worship and be immersed in the presence of God, and you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you don't realize that you did. And, but then you won't be speaking in tongues because you have no idea that you can. And that's where the Joyce Myers DVD comes in super handy for people like that. But if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit... And you're struggling to do it on your own, closed door, dark, praise music, immersed in, on your knees, seeking God, tears flowing from your eyes. If you're not emotional about it and there are not tears flowing out of your eyes when you are seeking God with your hands raised to the air, absolutely immersed in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, then there is very little likelihood that you are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I assure you. So if you are just one of those kinds of people that just don't – that, you know, I had one person say to me, well, I can't fake cry. So I'm like, well, it's not about fake crying. It's about having the heart of Christ. But there are some of us that – my dad was like that. He was just one of those people that just, you know, he was not emo- – non, you know, at least not visibly emotional. Let's put it that way. And there are people that are like that. They they overthink things and their head spins and you know that you you won't receive. Why do you think somebody who when people are going out in the spirit and they're walking around, why do you think a person you know maybe every fourth person goes out of the spirit and the other three are still standing there? When you're taught how to do divine healing and people are standing in a line uh, at the at, at the front of the uh, pat, you know in the uh, you know up by the altar and there's like you know 20 people all in a line there to get healed of cancer muscular dystrophy uh, whatever it is that they have and and, and you know the, the way that you're supposed to do it is you're supposed to go to go to the first person you say what do you have don't let them get it detailed oh well i've got this ache in my leg and it happens every tuesday when it rains and then when the saturn is aligned with mars uh it really hurts an extra lot no no you have to lovingly you you go to the first person you say brother tell me what's the matter now sometimes the lord will let you know and you will feel, it's known, known as a word of knowledge, you will feel what's wrong. And you will just know. And you might whisper in their ear. Maybe it's something that's sensitive and they don't want to say it out loud. 
If they're having problems with homosexuality, that'll be a classic case. The Lord will reveal it to your heart. You'll just sense it. You'll know it. But you've got to believe that you're sensing it correctly. And then when you whisper it into their ear and they say, oh, my gosh, now their faith goes through the roof and they're going to receive that healing. The key is some people think that the healing, it's the faith of the divine healer that matters. Only that. That is incorrect. It's the faith of both parties, both parties that results in the, that gets you the results that you're looking for. I can show you that in the Bible and I can tell you that from experience and I can show you testimonies. I, I know this is a fact. That's why when a pastor that's doing divine healing or deliverance or whatever the case is, is jumping around on the stage, woohoo, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, fire of God, fuego, like David uh, uh, Hogan was doing in his uh, testimony, you know, faith to heal the dead. Let me tell you something. When a pastor's up on the stage jumping around and getting people juiced up and they're, they're jumping out of their chairs and they're clapping and saying, praise God, thank you, Jesus, that is raising the faith. It is raising the energy of the Holy Spirit. That is what works. And then everybody's faith is on fire, and you become one in the Holy Spirit. And, it, and where two or more are gathered together, are you kidding me? How about a hundred or more? But what you need to do, if you, the Joyce Meyer thing doesn't work, here's a trick. I know about it, and it works. Although, in this day and age, you might have to try a couple of churches. If you're going to take a Bible, make sure it's King James. If you're going to go to the church, it must be a Pentecostal. It must say on the outside of the church, Pentecostal church. If it says Pentecostal of the living spirit of the body of Mary and her right toenail, run for your life. Just Pentecostal. You can search on Google and say Pentecostal churches in my area, and they will pop up. And in fact, they're all over the place, across the Caribbean and different places, even over in Europe. Assembly of God, a lot of Assembly of God over there. They're also another good one, by the way. Assembly of God and Pentecostal. Pentecostal's king, though, for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Assembly of God's pretty darn good. But, uh, but Pentecostal, <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you, they're going to swarm on you. Assembly of God, mm, mm, just depends. You've got to hit them at the right time, and it's got to be the right group of people, and it can't be too big of a church, and blah, 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 blah. But Pentecostal, look out. Because you're going to get what you came for, if they're worth their salt. And that's why I'm saying small church, small church, not a big church, look for the small ones. Look for the small ones. Those are the ones where the real power works. And those are the ones that Satan does not target with infiltrators. They don't have a Satanist on their board. Because they're too small, and Satan's like, ah, whatever. Find you a small Pentecostal church. If you're taking a Bible, make it a King James. Go on a Wednesday night, not Sunday. Go on a Wednesday night. Now, if miraculously, which I highly doubt, but could happen, if they say, oh, brother, praise God, which I doubt this would happen, but if they say, oh, we have a special service for bringing down the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Thursday nights uh, once a month, go, go to it. 
However, that's usually not the case, probably very rare, if at all today. Now, Little Pentecostal Church, King James Bible, Wednesday night. Go in. You can attend the whole service because you know what? You're going to stick out. If it's a 50-person group, you have a winner. And you are going to stick out like a sore thumb, which is exactly what you want. Because they're going to see a new believer in their in their group. And that's exactly what you want. Because they're all going to be curious, why, what, who is this new believer? That's what you want. At the end of the sermon and, and, and service and everything, everybody's going to be milling about and talking to each other and giving each other Jesus hugs and all that kind of stuff. And the elders will be, maybe some of them will have to rush off to take the little Johnny to a basketball game or whatever the case is. The tr- well, not late at night. See, that's why it's important. Wednesday night. Night. And then once everybody stops milling about and people are kind of leaving and the elders will always stay till everybody else is going because they got to lock the place up and straighten out the chairs and all that kind of good stuff. But there ought to be, even with a 50 person church, there should be at least three leaders there, the senior pastor and, and probably two elders. When, the commotion ends and everybody stops giving each other Jesus hugs and talking about their sister Sally and how she received her divine healing and all that kind of stuff. When, they, when most everybody has gone, don't wait until everybody leaves, but when they're almost all out the door, you stay there because that's going to attract attention too. And then you walk up to those elders and you just humbly walk over to them and you just say to them, and just even sharing this, <sighs> You just walk over to the elders and you just say to them, Brothers, could you please bring down the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon me? And oh, you better watch out. You better watch out because it's coming. Because I will tell you that Pentecostals are not going home until you're speaking in tongues. They will not give up. They will encircle you. You will be on your knees in the front of that church, and all three of those elders will, and probably probably even the senior pastor, will have their hands laid on you, and they will be speaking in tongues all around you, and they will be calling down the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, because they're speaking in tongues, it is way more powerful than when two or three are gathered together because all of their prayers in concert are going up through the Godhead directly into the throne room of God unhindered. And let me tell you, if you're just one of those people that tries to think your way out of everything and you've never gone out in spirit, you never had anything that happened to you, it ain't going to work. There's going to be too much power of God in that room. Oh, your little brain might spin around and around and around, and you might just, uh, you know, uh, you know, go like, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling anything. If you, you know, if those are the things that you're thinking, 
then you're not thinking about Jesus. The only thing that you need to be thinking about is when you're on your knees and they're praying for you, you just need to have your hands up in the air and you just picture Jesus. And you say, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift. And then they're going to be saying to you, mimic our tongues. Mimic our tongues. Mimic what we're doing. And you're going to have like a half, you know, three or four of them all around you, pushing in with their hands are going to be all around you. And you're going to be there with your eyes focused on Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And they're going to be mimicking mimic our tongues mimic our tongues and then you just try to mimic it man you just try to mimic it just pretend just pretend go along with it keep your eyes on Jesus and let me tell you something bam it is going to hit you and you are going to go back and you will never forget that event you Jesus Praise God. Hold on a second. Praise God. All right. I had um, local noise trying to interfere with um It was a home automation device. I was making a fuss. I had to shut it up. All right. Praise God. So they're in. So none of you all have an excuse unless you live in like Scotland or something and there's no Pentecostal churches. But I, I bet there is. I've talked to people all over the world, and I've given this recommendation to them, and you know what? Not one said they couldn't find one. Now, there I do recall one person who was somewhere down in the Caribbean, and they said the best they could – they said they couldn't find that, but they could find Assembly of God. And I said, that'll work. That'll work. And I said, by the way, if they don't drop everything – and bring down that Holy Spirit on you with great determination and fervor. What that means is if it takes two hours, they're not leaving. In Smith Wigglesworth testimonies, which are some of the best testimonies in the entire world, and I recommend you reading, if you're going to read about anybody, read everything you can get your hands on regarding Smith Wigglesworth. But anyway, because his information is unimpeachable and 100% accurate. He was already healing people, divine healing people, um, before he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he heard that on the other side of Great Britain... There were these people that were receiving, you know, news travels, right? And uh, that there were these people that were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was like, hark, what did I hear? People receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is Smith Wigglesworth. So he gets in a horse and buggy and he travels all the way across the United Kingdom. Took him a long time. And he goes into into this uh, house. And and sure enough, he said, brothers and sisters, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they said, well, then you're going to get it. <laughs> you know? And he sure enough did. I mean, you know, that's just how it works. But this nonsense they got floating around today that is absolute apostasy, it's just awful. This notion that you can just walk up and just touch somebody and say these magic words and they're going to suddenly receive it is absolutely of the devil. Praise God. So, anyway. (sighs) Whoops, I did it again. (laughs) 
not not to bring back any memories of things that you shouldn't have memories of. But anyway, um, praise God. Um, the the Holy Spirit came over me pretty powerfully tonight. I just needed to share this because it's so important. It's so important, folks. Please. If all you did was went to work and every break you got, I used to tell people, listen, you know, this was back before the pandemic. If you're working in the workplace, get yourself a Bluetooth earpiece. Because you could take breaks from your cubicle and you can walk down the hall, go into the restroom, whatever the case is, and you can speak in tongues. And they're just going to think that you're talking into your Bluetooth headset. Now, of course, you know, as you're getting closer to them, you're going to have to turn down the volume a little bit. They're also going to think you're talking Swahili, and they're going to be like, dude, what are you talking to? Who are you talking to? And then you don't want to be lying, right? You can't lie. No lying. No lying. All liars get cast in the lake of fire. God will bless you when you tell the truth all the time. Even when your life is at stake, God will bless you. I know one Christian who, uh, on a particular popular holiday, had a little too much to drink, which, of course, is common. But let me tell you something. I I have a breathalyzer. It's a darn good one. And um, <laughs> I am 300 pounds and, and six foot two. And I will tell you something. 300 pounds, six foot two. And all you got to have is a couple of really super light beers. And you can eat a whole meal if you want to, but you're still going to blow over point whatever, oh, whatever your state's limit is. The breath, because of Mothers Against Drunk Driving and all of the legislation, it has nothing to do with you being drunk. Because it's not biblical drunkenness. Believe me. It's not even close. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I understand you're driving a motor vehicle and you need to be sharp. So I get it. But I do know a brother that was driving across here in Tampa, the Howard Franklin Bridge, on a particular, um, I don't know, New Year's Eve kind of thing. And he, I, don't, I have no idea how much he drank. And I certainly didn't ask him anything like that. That wasn't his testimony. What his testimony was to me was amazing. He was an absolute rock-solid believer in Jesus and um, knew his Bible. And, um, and there's a lot of good believers out there that unfortunately still think that the wine in the Bible was grape juice or something. And I'm sorry, but that means that all the references to the word drunkenness, the entire book of First and Second Timothy and Titus all have to be redacted out of the Bible. Uh, it just absolutely drives me nuts. People don't read their Bible. They're so busy chasing reptilians or whatever. But anyway, the the point is this guy, this is about not ever lying, not even tiny little white lies, never. Not even if you're afraid to go to jail for 100,000 years. What happened to him was he he was driving across to Howard Franklin Bridge. I think it was like New Year's Eve or something. And, of course, they have, like, police swarming everywhere. They got undercover cops, people driving pickup trucks. It is unbelievable. You cannot avoid them, at least in Tampa Bay. I can tell you they're everywhere, everywhere on those key nights. Well, he happened to be driving from point A to point B. It was actually still light outside, believe it or not. And they, you know, kind of, they, they pull people over for no good reason. It, it's actually a violation of the Constitution, you know, and Fourth Amendment and all that kind of stuff. But 
that's just how the laws have changed over time because too many people have been killed by drunk drivers, people that have mental disorders and are really addicted to alcohol. And it's an awful thing and sad. But anyway, if my estimation was right, he was probably barely even slightly feeling it, if at all. But he got randomly pulled over by Hillsborough County Sheriff on the Howard Franklin Bridge, and they, you know, he rolled his window down. And the first thing that happens when a police officer pulls, you know, walks up to your window and you roll your window down, you don't know it, but because you had one light beer, that alcohol smell is in your lungs. And you can't smell it. You feel fine. But when that window goes down, your breath that smells like beer or whatever or wine or whatever you had is full inside that car. It's, it's an aura. It's a smell. But you can't smell it. You know, people that smoke cigarettes, they can't smell the stinky cigarettes. They don't realize that you can smell them two rooms away. I know, I used to smoke a lot. But the Lord told me that I couldn't make the rapture if I was smoking. So I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> then I quit. And that was all it took for me. So anyway, this guy rolled down his window. The officer immediately knew that he was drinking. Now, how could this unfold? Well, maybe he'd have to walk a line. Maybe he'd have to dance like a tinker, tinker, tinkerbell or something. Who knows? Sobriety test, maybe a breathalyzer. Who knows? Breathalyzers are, forget it. It's just an instant DUI no matter what. You're going to get it no matter what. It doesn't matter how much, how much you had or whether or not you sat there for an hour. No, forget it. I have, like I said, I have it. I have the equipment. So anyway, because I wanted to know. I, I'm just one of those guys who want to know. And so um, what happened to him was because he was a really great Christian, when that sheriff, when he rolled down his windows and that sheriff walked up to him, it wasn't because he knew the sheriff smelled the alcohol. It had nothing to do with that. I told him that later, um, but he didn't, he didn't know about that. The only people who know about that are people who have listened to DUI lawyers talk on YouTube because they will tell you, if you have drank even the tiniest little amount, you need to roll your windows down while you're driving, no matter how cold or hot it is. Otherwise, if you get a random pullover, it's going to be a bad night. So he tells the police officers, says, have you been drinking Mr. Such and Such? As he's holding his license in his hands. And he was a good Christian, and he said, well, I'm not going to lie. And he said, yes, officer, I have. And he said, exactly how much did you drink? And he, he thought about it, and he said, I don't know what he said. He did. I don't think he told me. Uh, and, and, and the officer said, I'm going to leave you with a warning, but you need to go straight home. And that's all that happened, and he went straight home. So there's your lesson on never white lying out of a situation that may, has you scared. Don't never do it because you will instantly lose the protection of your father. And it says so in the Bible. Jesus says that anybody who commits a crime or whatever will have to spend something like every day in jail that's required. You know, that's just how it goes. I don't have that scripture handy, so you'll just have to find it yourself. And if you have read your New Testament, at least 
several times like you should have by now, then you remember it. You may not remember where it's located, but it's in there. Praise God. All right, so I basically kind of told him anything, and I did not mean to, and I am sorry. I apologize. But I got overwhelmed with the importance of, of course, not lying, no white lies, but um, also no matter what, no matter what. I, I, was, I was encountered by – I was with a company for, for 11 years at this point, and a Christian – 10 years earlier, decided to disparage me and put my resume, a link to LinkedIn, my photograph, my company name, my address, my phone number on a huge website page that got millions of hits. His website got millions of hits. And 10 years later, I have a senior director of a $3.5 billion company on the phone with me showing me the page that I knew was out there and I couldn't get rid of it because the, the guy was, I don't know, in another country or something running for his life. But anyway, um, confronting me. Is this you? What's this all about? And I simply said to him, the Holy Spirit just took over my tongue, literally, because he was looking to fire me. On that call right there, that was my termination call. He said, "He said, what's this all about? You know, little, 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 You know, I could just hear the tone in his voice, and I could hear, then you're fired. And then right after that, you get this message in your email that says there's a meeting with HR and blah 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 blah. Anyway, I um, and I said. I said, oh, yeah. yeah, look at that. I said, doesn't that look a little unstable to you? Because it did look unstable. <laughs> it looked like whoever put it up was some kind of a nutbag. Okay, and I said, doesn't that look a little unstable to you? And he goes, I could hear the softening in the tone of his voice. And he went like, yeah, it is kind of weird. And I said, all right. I said, yep, that's somebody bad-mouthing me. And he goes, he says, well, you know it's linking over to your LinkedIn page and right to your resume and connecting directly back to the company. And I said, yeah, I know. He goes, well, you got to try to get that, get rid of that. Okay, one of our salespeople looked you up and they found that. And, you're, you know, this isn't good. And, he, and then he started giving me recommendations for reputation companies that you can call and pay some money, and then they spend all this – they do all these things to, to eliminate that stuff as best as they can. But I knew the person who put the page up, and that person was not in the country, and I knew that I could pay them $10,000, and they would still not fix the problem. So I wasn't going to do it. Um, unfortunately, some things need a subpoena. And if you can't subpoena the person – that's game over. But because I told the truth, I still had my job. In fact, I received two, promotion, two promotions of the following year. Because that individual, not just because of that incident, but because of other things, and that I, 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 my integrity is unimpeachable. And they know it. 
and I will confront them if they are incorrect, and I will confront them if they are unethical. And they, believe it or not, you can have a pretty high up boss, a VP or a senior director or whatever, they can fire you in a word. But if you're as smart as they are, (laughs) you know, and you say, that's unethical, that's not something I can do. I, and, you know, and they really, most of the, I, I have never met one that doesn't respect you for a position of ethics. And guess what the Bible's about? The Bible's about being ethical. Well, and a whole, and a whole lot more, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Get yourself the Joyce Meyer Baptism of the Holy Spirit DVD from eBay. Try it. Follow along and put your heart into it. If that doesn't work, find yourself a Pentecostal church Wednesday night. Let the people stop, work their way toward the door. Don't wait too long. They're going to see you. You will be a stranger. You'll stick out like a sore thumb. They're going to be wondering what you're doing there. And they will see that you're not leaving while everybody else is leaving. Believe me, they will. And you go up to them and you say, please, please, brothers, please. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Will you bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit down upon me? And all I can say to you is watch out. Praise God. So anyway, that I just I still got the Holy Spirit all over me. My I got a tingling feeling up and down my arms. I it's just amazing. So I know that I please the Lord and I praise God for that cuz I don't always. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right, and on that note, let's just go ahead. I I do apologize. We did get to pray a pretty good amount for the first hour, and I think that was wonderful. And I do also want to do this. I, I never completed the Holy Fire prayer for those who don't understand it. And this was when everything changed for me. This is when the witch covens went away. This was when the, the oppression went away. Uh, it was amazing. And most of you have already heard it, but I'm going to repeat it right now. And let's all pray it together because we all need as much divine protection. And then we'll take communion. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Hold on a second. Okay, then we'll take communion. I'm just going to, I don't have any wine. I mean, I do, but it's not nearby. So anyway, um, that's okay. We can still take communion. Hold on a second. All right, praise God. I just want to go ahead and get my chalice. I will put some holy water with some Exodus oil into the chalice. That will suffice. Thank you, Jesus. And and also a little bit of matzah, which is unleavened bread. You can get inexpensively from Amazon. Okay, put that right there by the chalice. Thank you, Lord. Okay. I was so exhausted after work today. I just fell asleep almost uh, for like an hour, but I needed it. All right, to be able to do the program tonight. All right, so first, holy fire prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, 
and the entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set their wills against me, I declare in Jesus' name that the holy fire of God shall shoot down from the glory pillar in heaven and burn them in the screaming agony in Jesus' name. The very moment they shall be struck by the holy fire of God. Any fiery darts that they shoot at me shall be vaporized by the holy fire of God. Any demonic agreements, any demonic assignments uh, or agreements or contracts will be vaporized by the holy fire of God. I command it in Jesus' name. This is spoken with authority. It is spoken with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. All over the Bible you see, and Jesus spoke with authority, and everybody went, well, guess what? You know, I've had people say, you know, I just can't stand it when you raise your voice and all that kind of stuff on us. What do you think Jesus did? I like people who just talk real soft. (laughs) And you wouldn't like to listen to Jesus. He's a preacher. He spoke with authority. He commanded the demons out. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Jesus didn't play. And that's how you do it. Because you're talking to the mountain. You're talking to the demons. You're talking right at them. You're commanding them with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're declaring in Jesus' name that holy fire to strike them in the screaming agony. I like to cast them into the pit. I like to cast them all into the pit. I like to declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. I declare the fire of God to permeate the pit, to move right through the covering of the pit, and to burn them where they sit, because I have come to punish them before their time. Because greater things than these will we do, because our Lord Jesus Christ has gone unto the Father. Sooner or later, that scripture has to come true. And by golly for me, it is now. Thank you, Jesus. And then I plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. And then I want to protect my house, so I declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, so I want all of it swirling around my house. I declare that it will swirl around my house, and it will, it will burn white hot in the name of Jesus Christ. We all know what happens when the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit combines with the holy fire of God. What happens when holy fire combines with a whirlwind? Pretty easy to figure out, isn't it? And then I say, I I declare and I plead, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for eight-foot-tall, powerful, dangerous warrior angels to stand guard and follow me wherever I go, to get in my car with me, to surround my house, to stand at the front door. I declare in the name of Jesus that the holy fire of God will burn all spiritual and earthly weapons, vaporize them in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something, when I started doing that, all the demonic oppression went away. Just went away. It was so noticeable. It was amazing. It was almost like, I don't know, it was like, have you ever had like some kind of a medical problem and you went to the doctor and the doctor gave you something, you know, to help and you took it and it was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, you were at the dentist office and you got a root canal and they gave you Vicodin. And you were like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not in agony anymore. 
It's kind of like that. Praise God. I also like to call down, I, I, I ask the Lord for this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Now, you can declare it, but I would, you know, I prefer, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will assign a platoon of warrior angels to ferret out all attempts to come against me, all indirect threat vectors, to make all good eyes blind, to make all good ears deaf, to listen in on conversations, to shut them down. Father God, in the name of Jesus, any portals, any attempts to come against me that I am unaware of, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, assign them on a search and destroy mission on my behalf, in the name of Jesus. And then... I pray for all the people on the earth that have power over me, my boss. And then, you know what, I fall in love with them, and then I pray for him every single day. I still pray for something like 15 people that I worked with back in 2002 at the Tech Data Corporation every morning. Praise God. Anyway, on that note, we're down to just the final five minutes of the program, so let's just go ahead. We'll, we won't do all the music again. I really planned on that tonight. Sometimes there's a scripture somewhere in the Bible. I forget how it goes, but it's something like this. I'm totally summarizing it. It goes something like this. You know, men plans and God laughs or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I planned on doing a very traditional prayer vigil tonight. <laughs> I really did. Um, but it seems like the Lord has different plans. So I didn't mean to be misleading. I apologize. Praise God. But anyway, let's go ahead and take communion together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. We love you. We love everything that you did for us. We adore you. We want to be in your presence so bad. It's not because we want to escape the world. We do, and we pray that we will escape always to, you know, so that we don't have to endure the things that are coming upon the earth. We want to stand before you. We want to be your bride, and we want to be in your presence. But we're here for you because we love you. And whatever you want us to do, we thank you and we praise you because we know that you will take care of us and we won't fail a thing. You know, we thank you, Lord Jesus, because on the day that you were betrayed, you took bread and you broke it and gave thanks and said, here, take, eat. This is my body that was broken for you, broken for you my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then you had supper. Passover lamb. Conversation. Talking about all kinds of stuff. Wish we could have been there. But you took the cup after supper saying, this cup, which had real wine with alcohol in it, by the way. Sorry for anybody out there who thinks otherwise. 
He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in my blood. It's representative of the fact that he died on the cross. And we praise you for that. And we can't even imagine it. We lay all of our trials, tribulations, troubles, worries, concerns, and we put them in a bundle. And we lay that bundle that doesn't belong to us at the foot of your precious cross. Because we partake in that new covenant in your blood. We will do this every time we drink it in remembrance of you. Thank you, Jesus. Ani Ladodi Vadodi Lee. I am my and my beloved is mine. We praise you for being beloved of our soul. We praise you for helping helping each of us capture those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. We thank you because we know that we will do it together. See you all next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our minds. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of kings. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.